And I said, no, that's how you do a cold open. How's it going, Mark? <laughs> it's good, man. That was excellently timed. Before we hit record there, you asked me if I wanted to intro. So you obviously had that one up your sleeve. No, I didn't. I was just like, how stupid can I make this? Welcome to the Bench Units podcast, everyone. I'm just trying to not start podcasts with hello, because I feel like they get longer and like pitchier every time. And I don't want to reach like a critical mass where I have to go like too high and very long. But yeah. Okay. Um, welcome back everyone we're going to talk about some basketball and then we're going to answer some questions that are probably also about basketball so yeah only spanish games this week which was nice uh no offense germany i just mean pure the, volume wise this is like your dream week isn't it i was going to be like when um when there was only Spanish league games and no German ones, I was going to be like, can I make James sit through the Italian league this week? And I was like, I really hoped I could, but there's no games there either. Oh, God, I'm I'm glad we didn't have to. Once again, yeah. no offense to the Italian league either. I'm just, it was nice to only have to watch like four or five games. Yeah, a, a six game or, yeah, you played in one, obviously. So like a, a six game slate is much easier to watch and have informed opinions on than like 11 games like it is sometimes. I can't promise you the informed opinions. I was watching these all yesterday after getting home at like 2 a.m. from the game and I was just like, I'm so tired. I hope I <laughs> like I, I saw some things and then I was like, I'm not going to remember this yesterday, am I? <laughs> but, I mean, oh God, well, I said yesterday, you, tomorrow. <laughs> Whoops. When, when you <laughs> said you were watching the back at 2 a.m., I could just imagine you like watching the Bilbao game and being like, that guy looks like me. Oh God. Well, for about 30 of those minutes no one looked like me um, <laughs> also did you see the stream for that game it was terrible i only dipped in and out of that one because you guys seemed to have it well in hand and the team you were playing went very good sure all right shall we talk about two two good teams yes all right so first game of the weekend was mercia 49 and the ab albacete 72 so yeah two different levels of good teams like two very good, two good teams, I think, but like yeah, one yeah. far and away better showing their quality. Um, I think one of the stories of this game was obviously Lee played most of the first quarter, picked up three fouls, and then didn't come back into the game. Um, but uh, I mean, I've had enough to get it done, obviously. Yeah, um, sure, sure. Fifi with 26. Um, so hold on 26, 14, and four yeah, for plus that, 19. That's that'll get it done. That'll do it, Matt. I mean, the greatest takeaway from this game is we're looking at a Mercia home game where the stats appear to be representative of what happened, and that is of the utmost importance here. Um, yep. I think the other thing is we've now seen a couple of teams you we talked about, um. Ferrol playing Albacete last week, and they basically did the, well, they're not going to get inside on us thing, and Albacete inevitably did anyway. Um, but I'm, I'm quite a fan of the, if you're the team at the disadvantage, I'm quite a fan of the, let's just see if they can make them win it from outside, even if they have like three good quarters and one cold shooting quarter, it can swing it. Yeah, I there's, a, there's a certain amount of like you have to, like you don't have any choice but to pick your poison. And even then, like as I said last week, teams have tried to pick their poison and still not been able to against a team as good as Albacete. But yeah, yeah well, I would this... I would agree. Like, And there's a thing of like sitting inside and just watching Fifi and Phil and everyone else join in maybe isn't great, but also giving up layups is 
still probably a higher percentage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was going to be my point is I I'm a I'm an advocate of in the right circumstances doing the hey let's just sit in and see if they can beat us thing, but there's always there's guys who are exceptions to that rule, and if Philipski isn't one of those guys, I don't know who would be. I think if Philipski wasn't on this team, I would have coached Mercia if it was left in my hands to sit inside for 40 minutes, but you cannot just let Philipski line up and shoot, and they did. And it's like, yeah, yeah, layup's a higher percentage, but also the more shots you give him, the more he's going to make. Yeah, layup's a higher percentage, but also I'm pretty sure he's content to go 50-something percent. Like, he shot 54%, unlike shooting above 50% as a team will get it done probably most of the time. Like you want to get inside because it's a higher percentage look to balance out for the fact that maybe the the shots that Fifi's taking for most people are below 50% and it might even out, but he's like, meh, 50 something from everywhere. It's fine. Don't worry about it. They did. There was a couple of moments of cool stuff. I thought from Mercia, but like, it wasn't really enough. Like they, some point in the second quarter, I think it was, they put the press lineup on and I was like, oh, are you going to try and press on me up? Because I don't <laughs> think this is a good idea. But they didn't. Um, they just put the press lineup on to kind of give themselves a bit of a bit of punch offensively, which I thought was interesting. And it kind of, I don't say worked. Like once again, when I talk about something working against Albacete, I mean like it was interesting for a minute and then you yeah, lost the yeah. game. But like, yeah, I don't know. Also, Ben going it from it is worth mentioning. Like, having to come in yeah, that... when you don't like when you think obviously Lee's going to take the lion's share of those minutes and then him only playing nine minutes you having to come in and play half an hour and go eight from eight like that's that's pretty impressive yeah that's a that's a gut punch kind of sub because I you could even see it in the mercy of guys reactions when Lee picked up his third foul and they were kind of like, I think it was relatively close at that point. And they were, it's obviously first quarter, so everything's yeah, relatively close. But 10. Yeah, they, they were kind of like, ooh, here we go. And in a 23-point differential, they get, Albacete gets 17 points on 100% shooting off the bench. <laughs> it's just like, man, um, like you could make a reasonable case that that's about as good of a game as Lee would have had if he'd have stayed in the game in its entirety. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, kind of boring talking about how good Albacete are, isn't it? Most of the time, yeah, it is. I think, um, the only thing I would say was interesting from a it's not a weakness, but I think you saw Mercia with their more mobile unit, uh, as good at anybody as good as anybody has been all year at getting back and making Albacete play five on five. It didn't feel like it was a massively heavy transition layup diet for Albacete. Um obviously they did like scoring 70 points. They did fine anyway, but yeah. it would would be interesting to see if I think maybe going forward if we see teams just abandon offensive rebounding, for example, and be like, we're just gonna get back and make them play five on five on every possession. I yeah. that might be as close to mucking the game up as you're likely to get. Exactly. And the thing is, like, one, it probably wouldn't work. And the other thing I would say is I think I've seen teams try and do that and still end up like three on two 20 times a game because yeah. Albacete are just that mobile and that good. Well, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that Mercia- is probably as close to a blueprint as possible. But I think Mercia got as much in transition as Albacete did in parts, but they just blew a load of layups as well. Like, wouldn't have got them near enough to 
make it a game, but like there's some low hanging fruit there. Like one of their timeouts, their coach was like, "Hey, one, take your." I thought it was interesting, like when they because they get the TV game, so they get the uh, they get cameras and microphones into the timeouts, and one of the things he was like. Basically, if we create an advantage to create an open shot, like you have to take it because they're so good and so big and so quick that we just go back to zero really quickly. Like those windows are tiny. And then the other thing was he was like, hey, we've, we've got some layups. And if we don't take them against a team this good, once again, we might be in some trouble. So, yeah, no, completely. Um, yeah, I mean, this was kind of how you expect this game to go. I think good fight from Mercia, but depth and talent wins out. Yeah, for should sure. Could be the name of most of our weekly roundup episodes. It could be. Um, right. I think we have to make that this one then, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Should All we right. move on? Talk about, talk about depth and talent winning out. Um, Madiba 52, Alunian 69. So, do you want to do your um, Spanish to English translation bit here? Uh, yes. So, I had a little laugh to myself there before we came on here because I just saw Elunion's Instagram. I've lost the post now because my Instagram's refreshed, but they were talking about certain players being missing and they do a Spanish post and then an English post just below it. And like they translate it, sorry, in the same post, but in a different paragraph. And they translated um, like players being out as casualties, which is like, hey, <laughs> one, like, I don't, I, unless I just don't know any better. I hope no one's dead, sure. um, but I don't think I, so. I like, to, I like to think if they were, they wouldn't be that kind of nonchalant about like. Yeah, then be no like, one. hey, seven victories in a, seven yeah. victories out of eight games in spite of the fact that one of our players has died. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Once again, I hope that I hope everyone's fine. Um, but yeah, the big story of this game, Terry didn't play, I guess. Yeah. And the big no, story of this no. game is Terry didn't play and Illunion were more than good enough anyway. Sure. There's no no Amadou for this game either, was the other thing. Yes. Um but yeah, I thought I mean this one was a weird one. It was twenty four twenty three to Illunion at halftime, which Super Even with guys with guys missing, you would have thought it wouldn't be that. But you watch the game back, and this was Madiba really had no intention of doing anything other than making the game as chaotic as possible. Um, Elunion don't really thrive in chaos, and neither really do Madiba. But I think that is their that is their shot at a game like this. Really, yeah, isn't it like chaos and make shots? Yeah, it brings. Elunion have a lot more to lose by not being able to reach their ceiling than Madiba do in any given game. And I think this kind of aligned them a little bit. Um, this was another thing where Madiba had like two or three layups in the first half that they legit would have gone into halftime leading if they'd finished a couple of extra shots off. Um, and the opportunities were there. And then Greg kind of led the Elunion hey, the timeout where you're like, hey, let's just run our offense for God's sake. And they came out and they did that. Greg had like 10 points in the third quarter, I think. And Tom O'Neill Thorne hit a three. And there was a run where I think with Elunion up seven, Madiba missed two very makeable shots, like one bank shot and one three from Jose Leap that would have got it to a two-point game. And then it was very quickly a 12-point turnaround and that was kind of it but David don't have the firepower to be playing from behind 
No, like Illinion went there without two guys that play a lot of minutes. Their starters were, I don't know. Um, I'd say that starting five was probably plus 20 odd. Well, there you go. Greg and Hasso were yeah. both plus 26. Um, and I feel like anytime they rotated, they had a pretty tough time. Um, like they put yeah. other perfectly good players in and decent lineups, but you know, when you're missing two players and then you go 10 deep anyway against an okay team, like you're going to have some trouble. So there was a weird thing of like, I did wonder at what point were they going to be like, okay, now let's just go back to our starters, try and blow them out and then rotate. Because I understand you want to get people in, you want to get certain people minutes, but like, I don't know. It was just a little bit like as soon as they went away from the, Four four three two one five that they started with it got yeah. a little scrappy, but yeah I don't know yeah there you go the starters were plus nineteen I'm great at this you are <laughs> great at this all, all yeah. you all you had to do was absentmindedly drone or while well, you looked for that and you got there nobody knew yeah um, but yeah the rest of the lineups were just about there or thereabouts like plus five plus four plus three minus there was one lineup there that was minus one but yeah I don't know you kind of I think they probably. I don't know, you play against a team like Madiba who had a big, like, sort of bad start to the season and then signed out their leap, and you're kind of wondering, you're probably going there wondering how much of a game it's going to be, and you rotate, and you realize that, okay, no, we actually need to keep our starters in for a little bit longer. Like, this is a, I don't want to say this is a real game, but you know what I mean by that, like... Yeah, the, this one isn't one to be messed around with. Um, I think Illunion found that out because winning the third quarter has become kind of their thing. The since they've settled into the season, they've had like a couple of third quarters that have been like 30s to single digits or 30, you know, to low teens. Um, this wasn't quite that, but they it was 27-15 in the third. And having gotten a little bit comfortable, they tried to press Madiba with their like Greg, Tom, Bill, Danny and Hasso lineup. And Madiba, you know, are not the most balanced team in the world, but I certainly wouldn't fancy a crack at pressing these guys no that's one thing that that they would not struggle like even joymar is their fourth guy is like deceptively quick um we had this conversation about them when we played yeah we played against them in our place a couple of weeks ago now and we were like wow that's maybe not one of the better teams in the league but it is certainly one of the quicker teams like jose leap is obviously rapid john can really move um salvador quick too like having a one of lowers one thing but yeah i don't i think there's like being better than a certain team, but like knowing where you're better than them and why you're better than them. I think that would lead you to maybe not press, but yeah, that's just me. Like the way you beat that team is you put your best five players on and you get into the half court and you, 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 you show that you've got a lot more talent than them probably across the board. But yeah. Yeah. I thought the pressing was an optimistic move, but I think, Madiba made the most out of being pressed, um, yeah. which they obviously wouldn't have done earlier in the season when the whole thing was looking a bit of a train wreck. Um, yeah. we've I think kind of fall- kind of- Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, we've kind of fallen off the um, Madiba pay your players thing. I think now that Jose Leaf's turned up for some reason, we've just assumed that all is above board now. If that is or isn't the case, uh, we very much hope that is the case. If not, then Madiba, we will reiterate, please pay your guys. Yeah, um, I don't know. The guys who are there right now, I might be getting paid, but I wonder if there's guys that are still missing 
a couple of euro and if so pay your players but um yeah i think what do you think about this i kind of have this thing where i think some teams go out and press just to try and get themselves going and it's oh, very yeah. like yeah. it's very able-bodied player slapping the floor when you're defending someone and you're like hey why not just try and be better and it can get you going like if that's the right thing to do like i've seen people who are just like no i'm gonna go press one-on-one just because i'm sitting here knackered and i need a second wind but i don't know i feel like sometimes it's it's maybe not not the smartest thing to do it's very um self-correcting in terms of I think it's symptomatic of a team that hasn't taken a game entirely seriously and then realizes they need to show up for it. And they're like, is this the quick adrenaline shot we need to get back on top? In this case, the answer to that was no. It was like, hey, let's have Greg make shots and Tom make some threes. Sure. All right. Should we move on? Let's do it. All right. So the next game, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, Ferrol 55, uh, Bilbao 89. Correct. So, no one will have seen this because the stream was terrible and also it was not an interesting game. But what you might not have known, the two interesting things about this game was there were either seven or eight unsportsman likes. Um, I don't remember, and the stream's too bad to go back and check, and they don't stat unsportsman likes, I don't think. Um no, don't. and the other interesting thing was I told you and everyone who would listen that I thought Papi was going to have 32 points and he had exactly 32 points, <laughs> um, which is hilarious. But yeah, we kind of came out. They were missing a couple of players as well, like Carol Schultz didn't play and someone else whose name I don't remember did not play. And yeah, they had a they had a tough time and it got all weird, as I say, with all the unsportsmen, like some weird stuff and yeah, the refing got a little strange, but yeah. For the people who haven't watched, what led to the unsportsman likes? Was it did the temperature of the game just escalate gradually, or was there like a, a right? This is a brawl now. Yeah, just kind of there were they were like equally spaced throughout the game. There were like you know just take files with no real attempt on the ball, yeah. sort of like last man stuff. There was someone going over someone's back to try and check them and getting them in the head there was um one of them um someone like got into it with the player and by the time the ref looked over the the team who was on the receiving end of the first thing were having a go at them for being like hey you can't do that and then that was a tech um <laughs> load of really weird stuff but um just really dumb and i don't know like some of them were should definitely on sports likes and really stupid. And some of them were like, Hey, I, like, what are we doing here? Um, there was a lot of stuff that probably could have been given, but I just like you, you drive six hours after a game against a team that's near the bottom of the league. I'm pro like, let's get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot to talk about. Um, Lorenzo Embo made a post-up three-pointer in my face at one point, which was hilarious. <laughs> I, I proceeded to laugh at him and he laughed back. Like, not as in, like, <laughs> laughing at how ridiculous the shot was. I wasn't making fun. Like, I wasn't, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you just did that. And he just laughed back at me as we were going up the other end. But yeah, he yeah, is no. nuts at that. Like, so, so good at that shot, which is such a weird thing to be good at, but it is, but it works for him to the tune of a 34-point defeat. 
Right. Yes. Should we move on? Working for him. All right. Cool. Let's move on. Next game. Uh, oh, man. I thought this was 34 for a minute. Too. I was going to be talking about 34 point to be. <laughs> no. Talking um, about 34 minus two. This one was Malaga 68 and Juventus 36. Um, big news here was absence of Lewis Edwards for Malaga meant we actually saw Kyle Marsh back in the starting lineup as Malaga went away from the kind of mids heavy lineup and played under points to get their best offensive weapon back on. And probably not a hugely fair test because it's against a weaker team, but Kyle came back with 25 and looked like he wasn't even familiar with the concept of sitting on the bench. Yeah. Um, big Kyle game. Um, this is kind of the thing we were talking about of like knowing where your advantage is over another team. They kind of came out trading baskets. It was 6-6 six, six at one point and then Malaga decided to put a bit of a press on and then it was game over pretty quick. Um, as I say, also the former belt holder um, from Joventut, whose name I forget. Fabian um, Castilla. Fabian Castilla. He's there player coach and he called a timeout within like a minute and a half again and I, I just think that's so funny like we were playing against him and he did the same thing he called like a couple of really early timeouts and I was like oh man are we going to have timeout every minute and a half thank god we can't <laughs> do that but um, yeah not a whole lot yeah, there's a lot of games that I've been like yeah not a whole lot to talk about here but big Kyle game I mean, Esparza was inefficient, but had 17 points. And yeah, everyone else yeah. just kind of chipped in bits and pieces. Sure. Malaga needed a win following some of the results they've had. I don't know if this is a statement win exactly, but you got to win what they did. There's not a whole lot more to it than that. Don't know why Lewis wasn't here. Hope all is good on that front. Yeah, someone asked us a question about that, and I was like, I didn't reply because we're, we were going to answer all the questions on the podcast. But I was like, I don't know. Like, hope he's all right. If you would like to know, you can probably get in touch. Um, yeah. But yeah, any anytime anyone's missing, I'm like, yeah, hope they're fine. But yeah, I imagine it's nothing, nothing major. Hopefully, he's back next week. Sure. Right. Up next, last two were interesting. Yeah, they were. Uh, this is kind of the theme of the Spanish league at the moment. I don't know if it, we've not seen it many heavyweight clashes yet, but all the games between like the middle of the pack teams seem to routinely be very watchable. And this one was no exception. This was Vigo 66 and Gran Canaria 74. So take on this one. I thought Vigo were going to pull this one out. Um, I stand by the fact that they would have done, but they really struggled to use their height advantage in Jason Bertencourt, who was by a clear mile taller and stronger than anybody on Gran Canaria. Um, but I think you really saw his lack of like polish and finesse in this game because I, especially after the game he had against Leganes last week where he'd gotten inside and finished consistently, I was like, if he gets inside against Gran Canaria, they're going to be able to do not a great deal of anything about this but yeah. they played pretty good perimeter defense and he couldn't really keep up with the speed and it kind of left 
they still had the height advantage with Agostino Lejos, who's taller than anybody on Gran Canaria. He did his bit with 30 points, as per usual. As per, um, yeah. That's yeah. kind of just what he does now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought Gran Canaria did a good job of playing this game on their terms and kind of speeding Vigo up a lot. Uh, they didn't really force Alejos into an inefficient shooting game, but I mean, he made some crazy ones where, going back to last week, where it was like 20 foot post ups, he looked like he just rolled straight into this game, like straight from the like, Leganes court and be like, I'll just carry on. But yeah, yeah, this was, I thought Gran Canaria did real good at negating the height advantage and the kind of transition offense and having five scoring threats in their lineup again has worked for them for another game now. Um, That was kind of what did it for them last week as well. So I think we're maybe starting to see the formula emerge or them implement the formula better than they have been doing. Yeah, they had some like, I don't want to say old school Grand Canaria because it was last year, but like they had some old school Grand Canaria ball movement, um, which was pretty fun to see. They finished the game with 28 assists, obviously. Um, I say obviously, it's only obvious if you read the stats and also trust them. But this was sort of basket for basket. And then there was a run at the start of the fourth quarter that it went from mm-hmm. um, two point Grand Canaria game to 10 or 12 point Grand Canaria game like that. Yeah. And kind of stayed there for a while. And then um, Fernando Villa getting his fifth foul just as Vive needed to make a run was tough because yeah, they yeah. don't have a whole lot of depth. And yeah, obviously you don't want to, he's second, he's their second or third best player in any given game. And you don't want to have to rely on anyone outside of that to make it happen because you can just put more and more heat on Augustino Lejos defensively. Um, one random thing that I saw, which was cool is, um, uh, do this, like have this three out thing where they run, where they have Basti Kolb in the corner on the baseline and they have Augustino Lejos 45 degrees and they'll throw the ball into the corner pick down from the middle to the wing and run off it with the ball in the shooter's hands. And I saw Grand Canary kind of have a little bit of trouble defending it. And I don't know. I just think anytime a team has a like a thing that they run on purpose that isn't just wing pick <laughs> goals, I think it's I think it's worth pointing out because I think that sort of stuff is cool. And when you've got I don't know, it's not it's not groundbreaking stuff, but anything that isn't just ball in the shooter's hands, pick from the baseline or from the block. And yeah, roll I, think, I think it's quite cool. I think you see it more with teams like Vigo, who, especially when they've got, you know, they play essentially five guys the entire game. I think you see it from teams like that where they're like, hey, how do we wring every last drop out of this? Whereas I think the more talented teams are like, hey, let's not overcomplicate it. Let's just throw the ball to the shooter and see what happens. Yeah. But like having sort of, interesting ways to deal with that because like worst case scenario is you probably get Alejos on the free throw line with a chair on his foot plate and he's like yeah I'm happy here I don't need to get to the basket yeah. Um, but yeah that stuff was cool but just not enough to get it done as I say Grand Canaria went on that low run um, the start of the fourth quarter and that's kind of where the advantage stayed I had one more weird question Go on. players better at uh, players better than Alexi Ramone at like long, long, long twos with very little roll. There aren't many. He takes so many what? shots that I'm like, oh, okay, it's in. Like, 
But uh, well, Agostino Lejos is probably the like he's a different style of shooter because he tends to shoot them as post ups. Um, but this might have been the matchup of the top two that we've only identified afterwards. Yeah, uh, Chris, there's a load of guys Christian. that are just like I don't know, unbelievable shooters from anywhere. But I just mean they're like he has a lot of like catches the ball, flares out, kind of comes back on a very slow roll and shoots just inside the three point yeah. line, or like he shoots a lot of threes like that as well, like off a little, off a little like I don't know, like a little C cut type thing. Like he'll yeah. spin, like he'll flare out really tight and shoot threes in a way that like. It's 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 a lot of the like hip he has a lot of the like yeah, core yeah. control that he has being a sort of lower sitting four or five or a smaller four or five but yeah class yeah no um the good other when thing it goes spent... shoots a lot of those yeah. every game but like great great when it goes <laughs> yeah totally the other thing that he's mentioned is Grand Canaria got sixteen from Luigi Macambo who hasn't has been kind of inconsistent with his minutes this season as they kind of tried to play the two bigs lineup with Richard Norche and stuff. He suffered a bit there. But when he's 50% and giving you 16 points, I think this was the case with them last year as well when they'd kind of swapped teams up from what had been the team for the last couple of years. But he... Luigi is very much a bellwether for them. If he gets double figures on reasonable shooting, they tend to win their games. Um, yeah. And he almost entirely shoots like catch and shoot wing shots so if you're and he's if he's in this lineup as like the fourth or fifth guy that's pretty good production to be getting from there so yeah shout out to luigi for more consistent minutes and making it happen as a result yeah for sure eight from 16 from any guy like further down the sort of hierarchy will help you out big time yeah, Especially in a game like this, as I say, where you're playing a team that's pretty top-heavy and then loses a guy to foul trouble. Sure. Uh, but yeah. All right. Should we move on? Yep. Let's do it. Cool. All right. Last game of the week is Fundacion Aliados Valladolid, 63. Leganes, 54. Once again, I don't know why one team got their full sponsor in there and one team <laughs> didn't. Um, I just wanted to make sure I said Leganes instead of Lazarusas. <laughs> But way, yeah. way to go. You nailed it. Thanks. I did. Um so weird game. Um yeah. I got up nine points in the first quarter and then won the game by nine. <laughs> yeah, this was this is one of those arm's length games where it was just kind of past a certain point, it was never any more than an eleven point lead and never any less than six or seven. It was just I mean Leganes aren't necessarily the team built to put a massive run on anybody. They kind of win their games by making it sticky and chipping away. Um, and yeah, I thought this one, this one to me was a a little bit second half especially was a little bit of a battle of which team is going to blink first and make a sub because I think we've seen this in Spain a couple of times this year where either coaches are like a little bit married to the idea that this lineup is what they want sure, or whatever it is. But there was like definitely a five minute portion of this game where neither team was playing <laughs> like their, their best lineup for the matchup. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Yelma came in for Vidalid and just had like a really clinical end to the third quarter and start of the fourth quarter as they went, 
so they're three high pointers and two lows. So they went Fabian Romo, uh, CJ Grogan, Yelma, and then Franco Alessandrini and what's the Spanish guy's name? Jonathan, Jonathan so, yeah. That's the one. Um, yeah, they kind of rolled those guys out and it initially looked a bit messy when they figured out the floor balance. Um, Yelma was like playing the strong side pick and roll and they just completely ignored the two lows because they weren't worried about like CJ getting killed in on the other side, for example. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they kind of found it in semi-transition or like hunting the mismatch or whatever and Yelma turned this game around for them and it helped, or maybe not turned around, but as Leganes were creeping closer... He kind of pulled it away and he just finished really efficiently, I thought. So way to go, Yelma. Will it be enough to get him the belt? We will never know. And if it is, we will never admit it. Yeah, we will never know. And we might <laughs> not even let you have it. Um <laughs> but yeah. Um yeah, no, someday. Someday that might happen. Um yeah, I think this is Maybe, I don't know, is it the first sort of rough shooting game that Fabian Romo's had all gear for them? And I think that kind of your highest volume guy, like going five from 19, you're obviously going to have some trouble. But I don't know, they kind of lack handling if you take him out and put Yelmer in, obviously. But So you can't do that. But it was cool that they were able to find ways to not just go CJ or Yelmer. Yeah, because I kind of yeah. forget that they have those third lineups, but you know, yeah, I and I think kinda, that that's that's what the game ended up needing. So it was, yeah, nice to see, yeah, nice to I, see them get to that. Yeah, I think it worked for them in this game. I think that I'm going to be a bigger fan of their three big if and when Lachlan Dalton arrives because he can play with his junior point and you've oh, got a very yeah, Jesus got a very very quick mobile 2-5 in one of the one-pointer slots, so roll with that for sure. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, this was not the prettiest game Vitalid have had by any stretch, but also Leganes have been kind of quietly sneaking up on and beating good teams consistently, so they certainly didn't. The fact that this wasn't a clean sweep of a win is no knock against Vitalid. Um I thought Leganes could have won this at certain points. Um, I think this game drove home to me. I'm not the biggest Alexis Ruiz fan in the world. I think he's okay. I don't think he takes a lot of great shots consistently. He was 8 from 22 in this game. And I think the lineup they stuck with for a long time that was him and Christian Gomez together. I just felt like they could have used Philip Hafley's mobility a little bit more, but there's obviously that half a point difference that you then have to compromise the rest of your lineup. For sure. And yeah. Um if they could have found a way to make it work that way around, I this one could have been different. But yeah, I mean, this is two very good, competent, maybe slightly structurally limited teams. And I think talent won out again in this one in being able to bring someone like Yelmer off the bench and get 19 points is something that Leganes aren't really equipped to match. Yeah. I I don't mind Alexi Ruiz. I think he's I think he's grand. He's obviously won them a couple of games this year, but yeah. I think the thing is he took 22 shots and I think four or five of them were in the paint. Yeah. And you're kind of asking him to do something that's not really what he wants to be doing if he's if he's there and I guess a part of that is like um, by the lead playing with a lot of size at any given point like maybe and and chair skills like obviously they're mobile enough that maybe they were able to keep him off 
the spots he wanted to get to, but like we spoke about him last week getting to the paint and getting into little like inside the elbow post ups and then being able to pull a game out against Vigo. This yeah. week he took twenty two shots and not a lot of them were what I would consider good shots. Um yeah. for him, like for them to be successful. But yeah, once again, like I just talked about Romo maybe not having a very efficient game at pretty high volume, and then you go and the guy you're depending on the other end of the floor who's playing nearly all of the 40 minutes goes eight from 22. <laughs> like, well, you say, you say nearly all of the 40 minutes, the stat says he played 39 minutes and 60 seconds. There, so. yeah, there you go, 39 60. Jesus Christ, what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god, but yeah, no, I think that's the thing where you're like, oh, if we're able to. I don't know if you don't legonize that they held uh by the lead to 63 and you were in in a game you'd be like okay yeah we'll take it but then yeah all you need is your number one guy to not go it for 22 and yeah, you'd be exactly. there there but it's like even if you think if you push that up to average efficiency if you push that up to 50 percent, obviously there's six extra points and then you're talking then you're getting into getting into end game scenarios and anything could happen refs could even ruin it you never know um <laughs> But yeah, so good job by the lead pulling it out, even in spite of yeah having a bit of trouble. The other the other shout out we'll have to give by the lead is I don't know I kind of watched the second half of this game back again today because I was juggling other games as it was going on, but there was about a five minute stretch in the third quarter where nobody was able to pass or bounce a ball anywhere near CJ without it being a turnover. Oh yeah. Um, including Cano trying to throw from the sideline, throw like a pass to a cutting Christian Gomez who was on his way to the basket and CJ just two hands up, took it out of the air. I was like, Christian Gomez is two feet taller than CJ at minimum. <laughs> I have no idea how he got to that one. He's but, scrappy. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a really, really good game from him in terms of, I think he's the last couple of games, especially he's kind of found his role a little bit more. Yeah. And Vidalid look like, I mean, that we're about a year on from the infamous soundbite where I panned Vidalid. Um, but I think they're kind of at a point where maybe outside of Amiab, they can hang with anyone. Um, I don't know if they necessarily blow worse teams out than them, but we're, they had a seven-point loss to Illunion last week and a nine-point win over a very good team this week. So... I think they're just going to be that team that nobody has an easy time against. Yeah, like they look more competent than they did last year because they have more competent basketball players who have the ball in their hands more often. Like Depth and, ta- depth and talent wins out. Depth and talent. Is basketball just get good players and is all coaching unnecessary? No, that's not true. <laughs> um, cool. Okay, that's all the game, so will we answer some questions? Let's do it. Right, we got a barrage we, of questions. Do we do we from... make them anonymous or nah? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. Do you want to so... do you want to read our anonymous barrage first? All right. Uh, we will. I will not quick fire them. First one is Lewis. Okay, don't know. Hope so. Uh, probably. Uh, second one are the games now on Spanish TV. Mark, would you like to answer that one, or will I? Considering I know the answer. Yeah, I don't really know. I just watched them on YouTube like I have done since they've been a thing. They're all on YouTube. Uh, one game a week is on RTVE, um, which is a big Spanish uh, TV channel. 
Um, it's live on our TV play, which you will only be able to get if you live in Spain or have a VPN. Uh, it's also on Spanish TV, replayed later that night and early the morning after. So it's not even live on TV, which is funny. It's just available to watch on a website. Also so that- on YouTube. And also YouTube, the YouTube link for that game is like the TV broadcast anyway. So yes, it's on TV, but no, it doesn't matter. It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um and the next thing was if so any links yeah youtube um also check the sub stack out where we post all the links every week that's true uh next one how is mark and gabby's little one mark how is mark and gabby's little one yeah she's doing good man she got registered last week so she is officially a human being she's officially as least as much of a human being as steve tyler <laughs> <laughs> I had to text you about this. Nobody's going to get the reference unless they've seen Ted 2. If anyone hasn't seen Ted 2, go and watch Ted 2 and you'll get the reference about Steven Tyler not being a person. Do you reckon we have people young enough that they're listening to this and they're like, who's Steven Tyler? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, there's a lot of people our age that don't know who Steven Tyler is. Well, they should. If you have your phone in your hand as you're listening to this, Google Steven Tyler and listen to all of Aerosmith's back catalogue. Yeah, but not their front catalogue because rock ballads are bad. <laughs> um, that's my that's that's my thing with music, and we figured it out. Where I was like, "Why do I not like any of these twenty songs?" And Anna was like, "They're all rock ballads." And I was like, "Oh yeah, rock singers aren't good singers most of the time. So like longs, <laughs> like slow songs that you actually have to sing a bit, maybe aren't great." But yeah, all right. Well, next question. Uh, how did Japan contrive to lose to Costa Rica after beating Germany? This is a football question. Uh, I don't know. Um, overperformed against Germany and then underperformed against Costa Rica. Probably. Uh, that's Germany. that's the level of analysis we we need here. We're definitely not giving anyone football analysis. If you actually no. would like football analysis, I think the Tifo Football Podcast has been really interesting about the World Cup. There you go. There's a recommendation. Um. Next question. You can answer this. Are Bilbao deciding the league next weekend in the first week of December? Because I have an answer for this, but I want you to say what you think first. You got Illuni on, haven't you? Yes. Um, I think the obvious answer is no. I think the uh, answer is it, it's maybe been decided by the fact yeah. that he's beaten Illunion twice already this year. Maybe yeah, not. I think uh, this. It can't really be deciding the league because while I think you guys can beat them, there would have to be so many other variables in place to shake up the rest of the power structure that not one game can be deciding the league. Um, oh, I, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a close one. Um, and there's no reason you guys can't beat them, but I don't think that in and of itself decides the league unless you set Illuminion into an existential crisis and you spark yourselves on the same kind of run you had last year, which yeah. probably well, no, I guess the gonna... question the question is like if Illunion lose next week and they've lost two games, are they able to beat Albacete and then also have Albacete lose another game this year? Um uh, probably not, no. Cool. What was that your answer? Uh kind of like we're gonna try and beat Alunia next year. I mean next week. Um next year. <laughs> next year. We'll probably also try and beat them next year. Um but yeah, not to help anyone else out. Um but yeah, I don't know. They're already a game behind, so I don't really know. 
what to tell you. In theory, if they beat us and they beat everyone else, then there's like they play Albazetti at some point and they have to beat them by a certain amount stakes, which is always a fun game. But yeah, I I, I don't know. All right. Uh, shall we go to the other Instagram questions we have? Let's do it. Do so this is, I do. This is from Mark Bicet of RSV Landil, and it just says Champions Cup. I agreed. So Next, if you can, no, if um, you can all, if you can all consider yourselves reminded of the existence of the Champions Cup, I think that's basically all that's needed here. Um, I will ask you one interesting thing about Champions Cup. Do you think well, either? Do you think either of the top two teams in Germany are capable of beating Albacete from what we have seen, or is yeah. it? not something that you're able to tell until you see them play each other. Well, no, because we did the podcast with Dylan and you completely copped out of giving an answer as to what you thought might happen, even though me and Dylan both. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I mean, both... I think Amiab are as talented on paper as anybody and maybe more so than either of the two German teams, but I think the talent level and the styles of play, I think, interestingly think Landil is similar enough in styles of play that it will be a interesting game. And I think Thuringen are kind of different enough to also make it like Thuringen are verging on polar opposites, even though they both play the kind of two giants thing. Yeah. Um, which is a weird so one. Like I was going to say like lineup wise, Thuringen have a real similarity there, but yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think both teams are close enough in talent level that any one allotment of 40 minutes can go either way. Um, if you were to say they have to play each other in a seven-game series, I would probably give the edge to Amiab, but again, not by a whole lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there is a top three teams in Europe this year and then a, a step down. Yeah. Um, although, like, I didn't think Union were anywhere near it last year and they made it to the final as well. Um yeah, I mean, that's... Came out and beat Landil in the semi-final, the thing, We talked about how, I think last week or week before, we talked about how Tom and Amadou's lineup hasn't really gotten rolling with Illunion this year, but Amadou had 28 points against Landil in the uh, Champs Cup semi-final last year. So if that lineup clicks, then Illunion are probably knocking on the door of that top tier anyway, so... yeah. So we've talked uh, ourselves in and then back out of clarity, and it's the top two teams in Germany or the top two teams in Spain. Um, <laughs> who, who I would say Amiab Landil final is probably what I would call currently, but really, okay, who, who cares what I think? Uh, I mean, the other we should probably point out to people early doors, but not this weekend coming. The weekend after that, we'll be seeing Landil and Thuringen for the first time this season. So yeah, I think that'll tell us something. Yeah, it will. Cool. That's exciting. Uh, next question. Uh, Belgium or Morocco? This was meant to be about the football and the answer was actually Morocco in the end. But I would like you to debate the two countries apart from that. Um, um, what has better food, Belgium or Morocco? I have been to Belgium before, but only eaten inside the sports hall slash venue um, slash hotel. Um so I've not really tried in the authentic Belgian cuisine. I lived with a Moroccan guy who made delicious food and anytime he had his friends around would regularly invite me to eat with them, which I was always up for, apart from the Moroccan thing is no cutlery and no plates. Everybody just sticks their hands into a bowl in the middle. <laughs> so I was, 
I was like, this is delicious, but also this has been touched by nine people by the time I get my first mouthful. Um, so, yeah. I mean, whatever floats your boat, man. I, I would lean Morocco over Belgium as a place I would like to go. I'll leave it at that. Sure. All right. Next question or next topic of conversation. Yeah, so... <laughs> what? <laughs> so this is from Jack Gibbs and... Do you mind if I get one swear word in? We've not edited a swear word for a while. If I, I'm oh, do, you, do, you want, do you want me to edit stuff. it, or do you want to just like edit yourself so I don't have to bother? This bull World Cup, why is it even taking place? Do they mean the football one? Have we been asked three or four uh, football questions? Are you joking? Do, pe- do people not realize that I like I can just about point to what football is, and outside of that, you've kind of lost me. Why it's taking place, I presume, because capitalism reigns supreme? Yes, Um, uh, there's a lot of money. (laughs) I can't believe it's in November, and I think Brazil are going to win it. Okay, we covered off the important stuff there. Yeah, there's a real morality thing of like, hey, should we be watching this due to like the various issues that real journalists have covered? And you're like, eh. Maybe not. I don't know. But also, well, the sports watching thing is like, why are you putting it on to me and a random footballer to like explain about this? But yeah, I'm... it it kind of. Um, by the way, I'm not a random footballer. Um, it kind of hit home to me with the whole thing of it, where it was like, there's obviously the LGBTQ plus issue of the whole thing, uh, which. Some of the footballers are dodging their way around. Um, that's been kind of glossed over. There's the stats about the number of migrant workers into Qatar who've died in the like preparation and production for the tournament because of the yeah. working conditions. That's been kind of glossed over. And yeah. then there was the news item about how there's no beer allowed to be sold in the <laughs> stands and the British public were like, well, this won't do at all. It's like, okay, let's... Let's write this whole thing off as a lost cause, man. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why we were asked about this, and I don't know if anyone <laughs> expects us to have opinions on it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, next question: uh, Is there a wheelchair basketball rule that we should change? Brackets serious because we are very fond of suggesting non-serious rule changes. <laughs> So I'm glad that it has been clarified. I, I've i got one that I don't know if is serious or not, so I need to judge your reaction. All right, what is it? So this is probably not a change to the actual rules of basketball, but an alternative form of basketball, similar to how three-on-three basketball is kind of you know, just its own thing. So I propose basketball with no out of bounds, and oh. if if the ball bounces off what would have been the sideline or the end line or goes through the hoop, you just scoop it right back up and carry on playing. And it would be mayhem, but I think it would be fun, and it would be exhausting to play that way for forty minutes. Yeah, that would be chaos. I don't. I don't know if that's a serious one. Um, well, I I don't know if it's serious in nature, but I'm seriously suggesting that somebody should try it. Yeah, I'd be into it. Like, you just bring the walls in. I think that'll be cool. Make it like squash, squash <laughs> kickball. I'd be into that. Have you got um, one? 
Yeah, my very serious one. I've spoken about this all the time, but I think we need to figure out a way to stop referees ruining end game situations. Because I think so an unsportsman like Vile, I've got the rules in front of me. That's how serious I'm taking this. Um <laughs> Okay. Maybe mine doesn't count as serious. <laughs> the definition is an unsportsman like Vile is a player is a player contact which in the judgment of a referee is contact with an opponent and not a legitimate attempt to directly play the ball within the spirit and intent of the rules. Excessive hard contact caused by a player in an effort to play the ball or an opponent. Uh and then there's the stuff about like stopping transition and um last man stuff or taking people out from behind and this, that and the other. But I don't know, like say in an average game player X gets three files, like one or two of them might be on purpose. Like yeah. are you gonna call an unsportsman like any time like I don't know, a forward gets beaten baseline when he's looking somewhere else and he just pulls back to take an easy one. You're not. So I think calling it that literally when you get to the point where you're inferring intent because people are filing to stop the clock. So there is like built in intent. I think basically my point is refing on intent to file is dumb because of course people are trying to file, but that doesn't mean it's unsafe because I think at the, I don't know, at the sort of root of these rules, it's either player safety or fairness. And I don't think, it impacts fairness a massive amount. And I think so therefore it's like, you're trying to not have people nail people with chair files or like swinging at them to keep them safe. But that's kind of what people end up having to do on the end yeah. game. And the amount of end game stuff I've seen where it's like down for 30 seconds to go file, no file, no file, no file, no whistle on sports. But like, okay, cool. The game's over. Yeah. Like, you're up, you're down eight by the time the ball gets back to you. Like, <laughs> it's it's a real shame because I think, like, if you look at how the able-bodied game runs it, like, you can literally, like, the intent is the reason that a ref keeps people safe. Like, you can go, ref, I'm going to take one here, and you literally walk up and you tap someone or you bump them with a foot plate would be the equivalent or whatever. Yeah. Ref would blow a whistle, you'd send someone to the line and you'd call a timeout or whatever and you'd go the other way. But having to, like, really make an effort to like try and play the ball ends up getting strange and i think i don't know it, it is difficult because refs have to like if you go by that definition refs have to kind of do what i say is ruining games and colin sportsman likes immediately if someone's intending to file without really playing the ball and i don't like i think you can not play the ball and also not physically harm someone yeah. having to be very artful in the way you hit someone the exact right amount in the exact right place is yeah. maybe maybe I'm taking a level of skill away from it, but I don't know how much I want a game to depend on the skill of how you file someone. I think I'd rather because yeah. it's like, are you trying to erase end game filing as a tactic? I don't think you are. I don't think that's the issue in I don't think anyone thinks that's the massive problem in the game of wheelchair basketball currently. No, no. So I don't I don't know. I just no, think it's... intent to cause harm in a file is a reason to give an unsportsman. Like intent to file isn't because people file on purpose all the time. Yeah. No, you're right. You're bang on. Cool. Well, my rules sound ridiculous now compared to that well thought of. A little bit. Um, only a little bit. Uh, I stand by it. Do you want me to try and think of another stupid rule if if not to make you feel better? 
Uh, if you've got one off the top of your head, yeah. I still like my, if ref calls a foul and you shoot after it, you have to make it or you get ejected. Because <laughs> um, I saw in the Madrid tournament that we had a couple of weeks ago, the ref blew the whistle and Mendel shot the ball and it got jammed between the rim and the <laughs> backboard. And I was trying to, I was trying to sort of hand signal for a technical from the sideline because I was watching the game. It was like, <laughs> we were playing afterwards, but neither Mendel or any of the refs saw me, but. Yeah, I don't know. Just stupid rules to get people thrown out is hilarious to me. Uh, but... I once I once was in a game where the whistle blew just after a rebound had come down, and whoever had rebounded it just like popped the ball back through the basket as the ref was like walking over to signal the call, and the ref stopped walking towards the table, went and like grabbed the ball from him like an angry adult taking a ball from a child, and told him it would be a technical if he shot the ball after the whistle again. <laughs> it's like he's sat he's sat on his own under the basket now. Get off your ego trip. That's really um, stupid. You see refs like, and once again, refing's really difficult. I'm not trying to be very critical, but you see refs every so often that like stick to the rules a thousand percent to the point that like I've been warned for a technical for touching the ball when we've just scored when it literally fell oh, through yeah. the hoop and landed on my lap and I was like dude okay I will like not catch it next time and it rolled like 20 feet behind the baseline I'm like, <laughs> like I promise you this is worse like but yeah stuff like that like the other one I the example I use all the time is like refs calling lifting and like I'm not saying lifting is bad I'm saying everyone does it so it's only the really exaggerated ones that get called yeah and I'm fine with that but I saw a ref call and not that bad lift at the very start of a game last year. And I was like, hey, are you going to call 50 of these? Yeah, cool. Geez. But yeah. Yeah, it's, t- it's tough, man. But I think you're um, you're re reevaluating what meets the criteria for an unsportsman like should be done. Uh, to be honest, it's kind of all when you read the bit of the rule out there and it's like in the judgment of the referee, it essentially comes down to can we get the referees some better judgment? Like, no, it's tough, man. Like the rule yeah. being like, hey, refs, do whatever you want here, but we're going to make it really strict. Um, yeah, it's tough. But I think in general, the game has changed in 10 years more than refereeing has, is kind of yeah. my other thing. Like wheelchair basketball looks very, very different to what it did in 2012 or before. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much different refing looks. And there's a lot of smart people and good people probably doing a lot of work to try and update it and it is really hard to do when we're playing six days a week and referees are refereeing once every two weekends but yeah no yeah, fair enough tough gig especially cool. like we get to we get coached every time we go training they only get coached in inverted commas at international tournaments so it's tough well they also they get coached every game they referee when they get mindlessly yelled at by two coaches yes and several players <laughs> But yeah, All right. um, is that us done? We Apart got from two more. Que- we oh, got we got two, two more, more questions. questions. Okay, sorry. We'll crack through. It's all good. So this one's from Mariska Bayer, and it says, "How cute is the bench unit, baby?" I'll let you answer this because I'm probably biased. She's very cute, and I wanted to ask you a question related to your bias. Um, are you still in agreement in, in agreement with me that all babies look the same? Um. Yeah, a bunch of people have tried to tell us that she looks like either me or Gabby, and it's like, I promise you she doesn't. She looks like other babies. 
and <laughs> like she has little features that are either you or her but i have this conversation yeah. with anna all the time and she'd be like oh that baby is completely the dad across the eyes or whatever yeah. and i'll be like the dad doesn't look like a baby or be like oh the bottom <laughs> of this person's face looks like and like their dad has a beard like i don't know but yeah we've we've had that exact really thing try. we've had that exact thing where someone was like from the like eyes down she looks like mark and it's like i have a beard she's de- at no point in her life will she have a beard i imagine i might agree um, with that person like the, the the bone structure is the whole thing but i always remember a really stupid one where it was someone i don't want to spend a lot of time talking about kanye west um one of his daughters someone was like this this daughter looks exactly like kanye and i was like no, it doesn't. And then someone put a goatee on the baby, and I was like, "Yeah, that looks exactly <laughs> like that." <laughs> I, I get it, but um, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get talk into about f- that guy. I'll get into photo editing beards onto Delilah and see how we feel. Cool. No worries. Uh, what was the last question? Right, last one. This is from I've never seen this account before. Manly wheelchair basketball. That's a weird oh. name. How to best support the startup of grassroots wheelchair basketball hubs? Oh God, I have no idea. Um, we are the wrong people to be asking. We talk about the top one percent <laughs> wheelchair basketball every week, but um, I don't know. That'd be something if there was someone who was like an actual expert, not interested, an expert in this sort of stuff. I'd like to talk to them about it. But I imagine it's just like provision of regular opportunities. Um, yeah, I think I think one thing is based off of like the people we've had here and we've spoken to and interviewed and whatever else, the number of people who are now like international or world-class players who talk about their early years and they're like, yeah, it was five years down the line that I even realized like international tournaments were a thing or playing wheelchair basketball professionally was a thing. So I would say if you have a grassroots club full of young kids mainly, then make sure they realize the scale of you know what is out there because yeah if it, they might be a bunch of kids who want to show up and just throw a ball around twice a week but also you might get a hell of a lot more commitment from those kids if there's you know the carrot dangling in front of them if you're able to you know get them in a bus take them to a tournament or something like that or you know find the closest you know top division club to you and you know get some of your players down to talk to them or something like that i think that really helps steer people yeah i think what like sets kids up to play in the future is like can you teach them fundamentals and like actual skills but in a way that makes them stick around because you can't just drill kids with chair skills or else they'll stop playing basketball like (laughs) that's the thing i anytime i've tried to coach like juniors it's like how do i actually impart some sort of fundamental skills into this but while making it interesting because the big thing at like very young ages you just want people to come and keep showing up once or twice a week but on a structural level i have no idea i imagine it's like how many opportunities can you provide for someone to get good quality contact time with coaching um and yeah from there you just hope that there's enough good coaches and stuff kicking around but the big thing is provision of opportunity like we know far too many people that had to travel really far to get to a half decent team yeah and um, that's not that's not even factoring in like you say all the people who probably will have started and then not bothered carrying on because it was like think how many potentially world-class players have not pursued it at this point because it didn't make sense logistically yeah exactly um 
but yeah, I don't know. If anyone's an expert on this sort of stuff, it'd be really cool. Even if not in the world of wheelchair basketball, like it'd be cool to um, listen to. Also, I randomly, this just popped into my head, just to finish, I randomly looked at the demographics of people who are listening to us, and we have a load of American listeners. And I'm, yeah. I mean, in America, I'm aware that we have a handful of American listeners who are in Europe, but we get a lot of listens in America. And I don't know if I know of anyone in America who's listening regularly. So we've had a couple of messages from people, but yeah, get in touch. I've no idea what's going on um, and who's <laughs> listening over there and why. And it's interesting to us. So yeah, yeah, get in touch. definitely. And um, do it. Should we do the belt? Have you got uh, anyone for the belt? Is it is it Filipski again? That's like I, every time I, I do, feel like, like is it Filipski again? Yeah, I was thinking about it. I think it's an unfair game to grant it in, but I think Pappy having thirty two and you being Pappy's hype man is like enough of a coincidence that it would be funny for you guys to both get it. But I also don't know if you're allowed it. Oh, um, well, I played eleven minutes and. I had no stats except a file, so I don't know if I get it. Um, <laughs> That'd be an ironic beltwin. Um, my other suggestion was going to be Yelma because I think this might be the staunchest case he's ever put forward for it, and they won a, probably the most important game of the week. Yeah. Yeah, let's go, Yelmer. Congratulations. You've actually done it. Um, this has been a long time in um, the making for you, Yelmer. And it and it means we can stop counting the bogus time where we asked Rose who got the belt and she said Yelma just because of the Dutch Mafia connections. Yeah, so you can all leave us alone now. Congrats, <laughs> Yelma. Good contribution in an important game for you guys to pull out. So, yeah, I'm also planning on making this the soundbite. <laughs> okay. Congratulations. On that, on that note, we'll get out of here. Um, for people who... Uh checking us out regularly we have got an episode coming out this thursday the first of december where it's no secret at this point uh we'll be joined by aaron young of rhine river rhinos so make sure you check that out because that was a really cool episode to record yeah cool thanks for listening share this if you feel like it tell a friend tell a friend it helps us out big time probably um and yeah thanks for listening have a good week peace